Hi guys, Matt here, just editing the podcast, and I've noticed that uh, Mr. Mike Miller had a few audio issues. It sounds like his webcam was recording his speech and not his actual uh, Yeti microphone. So unfortunately, he sounds a bit off compared to usual. Hugh, on the other hand, he's fine. Um, so standard audio for Hugh, but unfortunately, Mike will sound a little bit off. I've done my best to clean it up, but I don't really want want to run too many filters and things over it because you end up with a very unnatural sounding voice. So yeah, hopefully you enjoy the show, but I promise you it will be back to normal next time. Thank you very much. I'm Tass Mellis of The Starters. This is Ben Golver with the Open Floor Podcast. Hi, I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff. I'm OG Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors. Hey, I'm Elena Donon and welcome to the Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Double Clutch Podcast. I'm one of your usual hosts, Mike Miller, and tonight I am joined once again by Mr. Hugh Hopkins. Pay the women! Pay the women! (laughs) Uh, Spoiler alert, we may or may not be discussing some WNBA later in the pod after some fantastic news uh, being announced today. Um, If you're not already subscribed through your whatever podcast provider you choose to listen through, please make sure you do rate and review us. We appreciate that. It helps us spread the word. If you're not following us on social media, platforms go ahead and do so it's at double clutch uk on facebook instagram twitter and i think that probably covers it doesn't it yeah i think so we're not on tiktok yet are we not quite but we're working on it (laughs) (laughs) excellent okay so um heaps of stuff to go through really uh let's start straight in with it we'll go with some key player returns Kyrie Irving is back. He's for the Boston, back, baby. For the Boston. For the Boston. I'm going straight in with Boston. That's how long it is since I've seen him play. Oh, wow. Uh, for the Brooklyn Nets. He had um, a relatively Kyrie performance, uh, but with an exceptional field goal percentage of 90%. Um, what, what's your take on the, the return of Kyrie? Um, well, I think I've said multiple times this season on this podcast and on Twitter and everywhere else, I don't see the point in the Brooklyn Nets this season. I think if they get into the playoffs, they're going to be a bit of a waste of a spot because I don't think they're going to do anything. And we're not going to really know or care about them until Kevin Durant comes back. Uh, That's going to be not until next season, uh, I think is all reports that I've heard and read. So I, I personally can't get excited about the Brooklyn Nets. That being said... Kyrie is one of the most individually, spectacularly talented players uh, that I think anybody has seen in the past. Well, how long has he been playing now? Seven years, something like that. He's he's in, he's an incredible talent. So it's it's great to have him back on the court. Maybe it'll it'll you know be worth tuning in to Brooklyn Nets games a little more often than I have done so far this year. Um, but you know they've been. They've been perfectly average without him. I think they've been 13 and 13, I think uh, the record was, without them, without him. And I think they actually had a losing record with him. So I'm not really sure how this is going to play out for the rest of the year for, for Brooklyn. But, you know, it was good to see him. There were some fantastic highlights. He was back to being Kyrie, which is what a lot of people were worried about, I think. You know, for good and for bad, uh, I think... People were a bit concerned that is it worth bringing him back so early? Should they just let him recover for the rest of the year? Um, and it sounds like his shoulder is going to be hurting him for the rest of his career from the sounds of it. Um, and he might have to have regular rehab and cortisone shots and things like that. So, you know, maybe it is just worth bringing him back now and getting him used to playing with it. I don't know. What, what do you think? 
I think uh, if it's something that could affect him during his, for the rest of his career, then maybe he should pass the ball a little more. And it, and <laughs> it sounds like RSI on his shoulder. Um, <laughs> uh, You're you bang on about the records. That sort of sticks out to me. Um, in the 12 games he's played with the Nets, uh, they're, they're, well, they're, they're five and seven, essentially. So that's not great. And without him, they are 13 and 13, which is, um, I mean, it's not great, but it's bang on average um i don't know i guess it's an opportunity for him to sort of prove a few people wrong i guess in that you know when has he ever led a team to the playoffs because and i, I hark on about this all the time he didn't do it in cleveland until lebron got there nope. and he didn't lead that team um he didn't really do it in boston because he was injured and then he threw hissy fits and uh this is his, his chance to show he can do it i mean you are right individually skill wise he is a spectacular player to watch um he, he got straight back in this is this is one of the weird things is that you've got a shoulder injury you probably take a few bumps when you drive in the lane and yet this guy was just going in the whole time uh you know finishing inside some spectacular finishes didn't didn't look that hurt to me uh but to be fair i'm not an nba expert or well, I'm not an nba medical expert and, and not someone who's uh had to experience a shoulder injury that needs rehabbing. Uh, it was a pretty standard Kyrie stat line, you know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think it was quite an efficient stat line for Kyrie. Oh, very um, efficient. I think, yeah, the, the the way he went about getting his points, I think, was pretty standard. You know, uh, yeah, he did take a few bumps, um, and I, I know what you're saying. If he if he looked this good coming straight out of blocks, then why hasn't he been playing for a while? But I don't know whether you saw the press conference he did. I think it was a week, 10 days ago, something like that. And mm-hmm. the dude looked pretty depressed about everything. It, you know, this was before it was announcing that he was coming back. Um, and it sounded like he had really struggled. And, you know, he's said since uh, since the game the other day that he's he missed basketball a lot and stuff. But we know... Well, we we don't know for sure, He's but also said this is just a game. Yeah, this that, season already. I think it doesn't uh, mean that much to him. Well, I think Kyrie struggles with like sort of. I I, I hate to try and speak for him, but like it, it seems like he struggles with some mental health issues from time to time. Um, Fair. so I I wonder whether yes, he might have been injured, but maybe being out for so long, going through rehab, he said that could be pretty. <laughs> pretty tiring and pretty mm-hmm. pretty lonely you know so i wonder whether that didn't help his rehab process because he was he was getting getting a bit down just essentially not playing being by himself a lot of the time so i, I wonder whether that that contributed and perhaps even extended the amount of time where he was off the court because he didn't feel so confident and didn't feel so um so positive about his ability to play basketball because because he wasn't playing basketball if you know what i mean Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, no, it's I, difficult. I get that. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, there's no doubt this guy's a, an extremely talented player, and it kind of just feels like he holds himself back a bit. He limits himself in terms of he's only willing to play one way. It has to be his way. It has to be on his terms, conditions, and I fear that we might not get to see the best of his abilities and talents if he continues to go down that road I mean he was essentially perfect as the the wingman to LeBron I mean he he was he could be the primary ball handler 
secondary ball handler, fantastic scorer, exactly the sort of the sort of player that LeBron needs uh, beside him, and he wasn't comfortable with it. So he he effectively limited Cleveland's success by wanting by asking out, and that was perhaps the best opportunity he's ever going to get in the league. Although saying that he is, you know, this this Durant combination, when we see it, could be just you know next level stuff. I, I yeah, that's the thing for me. I think he does need to be with a player who is his equal or better um and you know that that showed through in his years with lebron and perhaps hopefully kevin durant can get back to full health and hopefully maybe that can that can come to fruition again next year but what you're saying about sort of you know maybe he needs to to change um i watched uncle drew recently have you seen uncle drew <laughs> no i'm not watching that film <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what it, it wasn't that bad it, you know it, it was it was hilarious in places sort of funny in other places and, and terrible in other places but um but the, the whole story is predicated on on Kyrie being a ball handling uh, sort of ball hog and ne- never passing to some of his other players and uh, and I don't think he actually ever learnt that lesson throughout the entire film which <laughs> which if that's a metaphor for Kyrie's basketball playing career then I don't know maybe m- maybe this is the best that you know he's ever going to be but we'll see we'll see uh, yeah um, okay let's let's leave Kyrie and uh, the uh, the reviews of Uncle Drew uh, to one side for a minute let's move on to another player who returned from injury uh, Pascal Siakam of the Toronto Raptors who's essentially been the lead player on this team so far this season just missed 11 games with a groin injury during that period the Raps went 6-5 and five. Uh, he came back and they lost to some Western Conference team um, I didn't bite on that at all Hugh didn't buy on that so they lost to your spurs obviously um i mean i i I was i was letting you uh you know figure it out for yourself it's it's i just i just wanted (laughs) i was just desperately waiting to to antagonize you and get you uh raging on the pod but no that didn't work it was a good game though did you see that game that was Mm -hmm. uh coming way back uh you know they, they were they were down big at one point but then and DeRozan started going crazy um Obviously had that huge dunk. Uh, I, that's I can't remember who it was on top of now. Chris Boucher. Boucher. That's right. Yeah, and then um, yeah, that was amazing, and that sort of spurred everybody to excuse the pun. I didn't actually mean it that time. Um, <laughs> that spurred everybody to get going again, and uh, and I mean, what a finish! That, that was a, a great game. But mm. I think um, you know Pascal didn't necessarily have the the elite game that I think Kyrie had in his in his return, but he was he was still pretty good. Um, and the, I think uh, the even though it wasn't the the greatest winning record, the fact that they went six and five without Pascal shows that um, well it shows the championship pedigree that that the Toronto Raptors have now yeah they might not have uh they might not have Kawhi Leonard anymore they're clearly not going to win the championship this year but to to me the the record that they had and the way that they were able to you know just keep themselves uh, afloat for now uh while because you know Pascal's not the only player who's who's been injured this year for the Raptors Mm -hmm. they've struggled with it all year so I think it's it's good that they've got the I, I don't know. They, they've got the culture. Uh, I hate using the word culture because, like, w- w- what the hell is culture? What does that mean? But they've got 
they've got some grown-ups on that team and they've got some people who still have a point to prove, like OG Ananobi. He wasn't around during the playoffs, so he's wanting to up his game and we and we know he can do that. Um, and, you know, there's... I, I, I think Kyle Lowry is, is loving life at the moment and uh, Serge Ibaka is, is, is playing really well this season, I think. So I think... I think the the Toronto Raptors they they're going to be looking good throughout this entire season regardless of who's on the floor but I think Pascal is what's going to take it is the player that is going to take the Toronto Raptors deep into the playoffs you know I think they need him to to be the guy that Kawhi was last year even though he won't reach that level I think they they need him yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I look at, I look at the starting five, and I accept that people like Mark Gasol aren't there at the minute, but Lowry, Habaka, Norman Powell, Siakam, and OG Ananobi. Is that is that you know you're talking about how far they can go? Is that really a, a starting five that that other teams in the East should be afraid of? Um, when you look at the talent, no, but the fact that they are, I think they're. Th- Third or fourth, uh, as we're recording, is it third? Oh, c- certainly, yeah. Yeah, you, you know, they they've got the institutional wherewithal. Um, you know, they've got they've got a good coach. They, yeah, that that team may not be stacked with talent, but there's enough pieces there. You know, Serge Ibaka is not going to be blowing anyone away, but he is he is a, a good veteran. Um, I think they've been with and without Fred Van Vliet a little bit this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but they certainly have pieces. They, they certainly I, have I, pieces. I, I wonder if Siakam is quite at the level where he can lead them deep. I mean, this in, you know, this time last year, Siakam was just sort of a... And I accept that he, he, he got six man of the year, had a break... Uh, six man of the year, most improved player of the year, had a breakout season. But he was still very much firmly down the pecking order. This is his first year of his ascendancy to to franchise player. I, I, I'm intrigued to see how far he can carry them and how he can fare being, you know, essentially being the the, the, the point of focus for playoff defenses to stop. Yeah, it's a, it, it is a completely different role. But when you say he was quite far down the pecking order, he he might have been sort of in terms of uh the expectation perhaps but i think i think his his production he was probably mm. second on the pecking order but with with all the greatest respect to Kyle Lowry like he's i don't think he has ever been maybe i'm maybe i'm doing him a disservice but i don't think he's ever been a true number 2 you know he's 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 never been the second guy on a team um, I mean, he has not on a successful but, but team. Yeah, anyway. that's what I mean. You know what not I mean? not yeah. on a successful team. Their, their playoff success in the DeRozan Lowry era was um, sparse. Yeah, <laughs> and I think you. I think actually, Pascal Siakam last season he was the number two. He might not have been considered it at the start of the season or even most of the way through the year, but he actually took on took on the, the one of the best, greatest scoring loads um and he, and you know Kawhi was out of the lineup quite a bit um mm-hmm. and uh, in those games that was when he really excelled and took his game to the next level so i think he does have it in him but the next stage for him is is going is making you know doing 
not doing it just every every four or five games. It's doing it every single night. And I think at yeah. the start of the year he did he, he was doing that a little bit. Yeah, but... he was an MVP chatter. Yeah, he was really up for him. And the Raps desperately need him to be back in that MVP chatter if they're going to sort of continue this right well, somewhat of a fairy tale season, given the preseason expectations. Yeah, yeah. No, they they're doing well, and and I hope they can keep that position at least a top four in the playoff spot because I'd like to see them have home court advantage and uh, you know make, make a little bit of a run you know they, they the players that they have there they like you said they're not the most talented players in the NBA but they've got a lot of heart and they've and I think they could actually they deserve to get um to get to like you know beyond the first round and and quite frankly I think they they could surprise a few people um, yeah, it'd, it'd be good to see them there. Yeah, let's let's just quickly go back to that that Demar Derozan dunk a second because it was I watched that many many times. If we must, just, I will go back yeah. to the Demar Derozan dunk. <laughs> just wow! Like I I haven't watched much wrestling ever, but Chris <laughs> Boucher lying on the floor uh, with his eyes wide open just reminded me of old school Undertaker lying down and then rising up like just the, that face it looked like a dead man walking um, I can't remember wow. who said it on Twitter but someone said that he the Chris Boucher literally got rock bottomed in mid air which apologies to whoever tweeted that I, I want to give you credit it was a great tweet but um, it really was, it was I, I think also it's it's sort of I'm I'm glad he got such a big highlight because we don't have to go too deep into it now. But um, Demar Derozan has won uh, Player of the Week, which which is only announced earlier today, and uh, and he totally deserves it um, because he's the past ten games or so he's really he's really turned his game around a little bit alongside Lamarcus Aldridge. They've they've sort of got back onto a good page together, working again, and. It's it's what the it's what the Spurs need. Um, they 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 held on to that um, eighth spot in the uh, in the Western Conference for like three days until the Memphis Gri- Grizzlies came along and and knocked them out uh, in that head to head game that they had. Um, but I think the Spurs could still make a run towards the playoffs. Um, I've got a little article coming out later this week um, about Demar Derozan and one of the ways he's he's sort of turned uh one of the ways he's turned himself into an mvp caliber player in the past like in the past two weeks um and it's using a specific move where he he runs through the lane uh and i I sort of break down that move in the article so make sure you check that out in the in the yeah, uh, I've next seen years. gush on Twitter over your admiration of this move, and it's <laughs> it's a it is a nice move. I'll give you that. Um, that will be coming out very shortly. And uh, yeah, the, the Spurs. I mean, history's on their side to make the playoffs. I, I, it's going to be one of those situations where you're going to remember where you were when the Spurs didn't make the playoffs, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, J, JFK <laughs> when Elvis died, nine eleven, and when the Spurs didn't make the playoffs. It's... Yeah, but, they all sound like the same sort of catastrophic event. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's only three games separating the like the seven seeds from from eight to fourteen in the, yeah. in the West. That's that's yeah. going to be a tight run for the last forty games or so. But anyway, we're not we're not going to talk Spurs apparently. <laughs> uh, so let, let's move on uh, to the next one, which is another return for Bradley Beal this time. Um, missed five straight and seven of the last eight games. Wizards were three and two um, over that five game period. It's 
it's a it was a lower right leg injury and i hope these aren't flare-ups of um the leg injuries that sort of plagued his first four seasons in the league he had a nice little run in the fourth quarter um, but not enough to stop them from losing uh, the Wizards losing by 11 to the Jazz in 27 minutes he, he put up interestingly uh, he, he missed all 7 of his 3's that he attempted but he still put up 25 points uh, to go with 4 assists and 1 rebound and 1 steal um, your thoughts on the return of Beal and what impact he could have for this 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 wizard's uh, car crash. <laughs> that, that's that's the Not thing that with this. In any way, shape, or form. Well, I mean, I, I do feel bad for the wizards because because I think actually this is probably the, the best coaching season that Scott Brooks has has done in the past few years. Um, they've been plagued with injury, not just uh, not just with Bradley Beal, but uh, I mean mm-hmm. Isaiah Thomas is, can't stay on the court, the poor guy, because he keeps getting ejected and banned from the games. <laughs> but um, but they, they've also had uh, what's what's the big guy's name? Thomas Bryant, Thomas Bryant. Um, yeah. and and a couple of other players come to mind. Uh, I think Troy Brown has been in and out of the lineup a little bit, and. When I look at their roster, yeah, you know, don't get me wrong. There's there's no all stars on there apart from John Wall and uh, and Bradley Beal, who both of both of whom you know have missed huge chunks of this year. But they, they a lot of their sort of secondary and third players, they they've also been out, mm-hmm. and you don't sort of realize how good they are because they're up and comers. You know what I mean? And um, I think. I think Bradley Beal will help this team going forward, obviously, uh, if he can stay healthy. And one of the things that I I sort of thought was interesting from Scott Brooks uh, over the weekend was he said, when um, I know Isaiah Thomas has been having a few struggles offensively. His shot hasn't been falling when he's been in the games the past few weeks. Um, and he said the Isaiah Thomas works well off... Uh, off Bradley Beal, maybe there's a bit more space because there's more of an, you know, an offensive threat elsewhere on the court. But um, I think that that showed in uh, in the game over the weekend. Uh, I think by in the first half he was he was four. Uh, Thomas was four of five shooting and had eight points. You know, and they were they were all pretty good looks. But you know he he did have to he did have to make a move. They weren't just open jump shots. He, you know he he was in the thick of the offense, but they. The majority of them came when Beal was on the floor, um, so that's the that's the thing that I think has been missing from this team is that Beal unlocks so much more, um, and I think it's going to be interesting to see if they can work their way back to just threaten the bottom of the Eastern Conference. I think, and I wanted to ask you, out of out of these three players. Which player do you think will benefit their team the most? In the context of what, getting them to the playoffs? For, for the rest of the season. So g- given where each team is relatively within the conference, uh, the the Nets are right at the bottom. They're clinging on to one of those bottom spots. The uh, the the Toronto Raptors, they're in the top four. Um, the Washington Wizards, they're just outside the playoffs. Um, so... Pascal, how you know he? How far can he take them? Can he take them to the to the second seed? You know, with, with Kyrie, can he push them? Uh, you know, above the eighth spot, can can Beal get them get the Wizards into the playoffs? Who, which team do you think will benefit most from their star player returning? See, I already think that Toronto are at their peak 
essentially. I, I don't. I mean, maybe they could they can nick the third spot off Miami. Um, but I think it's probably Beal could have the most impact on this team, purely because he's going to have the highest usage. Um, he is just a scoring sensation when he's on. The numbers he's put up so far this season, outside of injury, have just been incredible. But ultimately, I guess that doesn't really translate into winning. I'm yet to be, I, I, I'm, I'm, for want of a better word, I'm a bit of a sourpuss when it comes to Kyrie. <laughs> My faith in him is limited. Uh, so I, I think in terms of who could have the most impact, uh, see, it's difficult. Because if, if, if you've got MVP Pascal, but they're already in the position they they've they've been in. They're already the the four, the four you know. They're in the, the top half of the standings for the for the playoff seeds. But I can't see as great as I can see Beals in season being individually. I can't see him dragging them to the to the postseason. And I, I, I almost half of me feels like why have they even brought him back? Just you know, finishing the the bottom four and get that that evened out fourteen point five percent chance at the number one pick, um, which kind of means by default it's Kyrie. But I, I, I don't want to say that. It's interesting you say that, because like, because like you said at the top, you know, they 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 were five and seven with him, so yeah. yeah, he came back strong. But I, I personally think the the Wizards could could make a push for that that final playoff spot. You know, if if yeah, if Beal can come back for the rest of the season, I agree with you. I don't know why they would want to because they're not going to make any dents there. But at the same time, I think. You know the 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 Wizards have really struggled the past few years. I think any sort of uh, hope and excitement that that team can have, I think would would be kind of cool to for the city of Washington. And also, yeah, I, agree I, with that. I don't know whether you listened to the podcast the other day. Uh, oh, who's it on? Was it uh, was it was it a low post one? It's Ted Leonsis, um, the owner. Yes, yeah, and, it was. Yeah, it was. It was really fascinating podcast and i've actually got a lot of uh got a lot of time for ted leonsis i think he's one of the better nba owners even if even if the wizards have sucked uh the, his the entire time he's been there i don't think that's necessarily been his fault for um and that sort of that <laughs> i mean but we, you, might, we might disagree there but, but look at the other um Look at the other teams that he's got, like the Capitals and the and the Mystics. They've both won championships in the past few years. Oh, okay. Oh, you mean outside of of you're talking from a multi-team sort of position versus the Wizards in isolation? I I think he's. I think the Wizards have had a lot of bad luck. Whether or not we agree, and they've with, had a lot of Ernie Grunfeld. Yeah, yeah. Now it, they've you know they they finally got rid of that guy, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I that that took far too long to to happen. Mm-hmm. But the way that he goes about his business, I think, you know, he he likes loyalty, even if that person sucks, apparently. But I think I, I think that sort of investment in loyalty, it does speak volumes around the league, whether it's mm-hmm. to the players or other coaches that might come on board or even GMs in the future. Um, you, you know, you're going to attract good talent that way. So they might not be competing for a championship in the next two or three years or even five years. But I think if... If he gets a bit of time and a bit of luck on his side in terms of health, I reckon I reckon a, a good team could be built there, and we could see see them competing for a championship in the next yeah I don't know four to ten years at some point. 
I, I love your optimism, but he's been involved with that franchise since Jordan was there. <laughs> they have not. When, when was the last time? I thought Abe Pollin was the other owner. <laughs> yeah, with he, Jordan. So he he was the owner, but Ted Leonosis was a minority owner, and ended up taking over it as as Abe sort of. Um, Slipped off his mortal coil. Is, is, is yeah. Abe Pollen dead now? I, yes, I, I, I haven't just killed someone. <laughs> no, I, I believe he. Well, if he isn't, he's he's going to be looking good for a guy who's probably close to a hundred. Um, but yeah, he took over from from him. But I'm pretty sure he was he was a minority stake owner as far back as then. Um, but you know, may, maybe maybe I I I cannot see it. I, I just think the wizards are. Just, I mean, the the capitals and the mystics aside, the wizards are just not not a, a, what I would call a, a functioning franchise. Um, that's cool. We can disagree on the wizards. <laughs> no, one, no one's going to notice anyway. Um, <laughs> although, if you're in, in what was it, four to ten years, you can come back out me when they. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm writing that one down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's that's players who have returned. Let's look at a player who is returning. In fact, it's not even returning because he wasn't here yet. Yeah, he hasn't played since the preseason. He's not played an NBA game. Is Zion Williamson, the 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 number one draft pick, the the next coming of the the a a whatever you want to call it, but a form of goat, um, <laughs> <laughs> a pygmy goat. Um, yeah. Uh, what what are your expect uh, expectations for Zion? He's coming back uh, against the Jazz on so today's Tuesday the fourteenth. He's coming back on Thursday the sixteenth. How big an impact do you think this guy's going to have? My, my expectations for him, zero. And you know what? I'm very happy about Interesting. that. Like, I, I've i moved on in life. I was super excited about <laughs> him in the preseason. But, you know, since then, we've seen John Morant. He's basically already won the Rookie of the Year uh, contest in my incredible. eyes. Um, you've also had a, a huge number of storylines. Obviously, the Golden State Warriors are no longer here. You've got the LA Lakers. There's some good stories there. You've got Luca turning into an MVP candidate. There's been so many storylines this year that for the dedicated basketball fan, it's just sort of like, who cares? You know, I've got a lot to go on right now. That being said, <laughs> that being that being said, because I don't care. That's going to make it oh so much sweeter when he does come back and uh, and I see him launching from from close to the the free throw line just to catch it and off the backboard alley from Drew Holiday or someone. It's going to be incredible to see him back on the court, but I don't think it's going to be just slot him in and and here is the new rookie of the year candidate. I think you know he he may struggle to average, you know, 10 points or something for the rest of the season because, or certainly in the first, in the first 20 games he plays, because they, they've got a system that they started to build. Um, you, you know, they've, they've been building around Brandon Ingram. They've brought the veterans to, to, to play a bit more and they've been playing well with those veterans. Um, I think the original idea was that they were going to have a, a, a youth project with Zion, with Lonzo, uh, with Brandon Ingram and the veterans were essentially there to keep the peace and you know get, perhaps give them a little bit of a push late in the season if they were in a if they stood a chance of making the playoffs um I don't as as much of as they've been playing better as of late because the veterans have been playing more 
I, I just don't see them making the playoffs. The that that Western Conference race is is like you said, it's incredibly tight. Um, you, you know, for that final eighth spot, and I'm I'm pretty sure the the top seven are all going to make it. Whether or not it's in that order, uh, I don't know, but they they seem to be just the way that they're playing. Uh, you know, I've probably watched. I've probably watched all of, all of the teams in the league at this stage at least once, and the the way that those top seven have, have been playing throughout this season um, is sort of on on a slightly higher level. Now the past two weeks the the Spurs have been playing on that level, but not for the whole season. Um, you know, there's been moments where Memphis have played that well, but not for the whole of the seasons. And it's the same with the rest of that core group underneath. Um, and I think the Pelicans—they're just too far out of that, out of that group competing for the eighth spot. They're three games back on Memphis, the 14th seeded Pelicans 15-26, the eighth seeded Grizzlies 18 and 22. Three games back—that's all it is. Three games and three they, W's. And they're going to bring in a player who's going to be the new focal point of their offense probably right yeah and that means yeah, no, that they're no, going to, and that means that they're going to have to switch their entire offense uh which you know i think is probably a good thing because they need to figure out how to play Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson together yeah, for 100%. the long term but yep. at, but at the same time it's still an experiment you know i i don't yep. see them i don't see them making making that push with all these you, you know with with so many questions over who's going to even have the final shot um yeah but it, don't get me wrong it, it'll be cool but because i have sort of written off the pelicans and because i've i've moved on from the excitement of zion williamson right at the start of the season it'll be cool to see him back i'll get excited about it but i don't have the highest expectations for that team or for him uh for the remaining okay. 40 games okay so let me, let me put it another way can you see a situation where he can win rookie of the year no, no, not a chance. Too late now. How many so, how many games have they you played? Remember sixteen, seventeen when MB uh challenged for rookie of the year. Do you remember how many games he played? And and did he win it? thirty one games and he lost to Brogdon. Admittedly Brogdon is not Jarmorant and I say that no offence to Brogdon because <laughs> he is a quality player. But he's not really the star that Jar Morant is. Is, is. it is it you who <laughs> called him the worst rookie of the year in the past few years? Who, who, who did that? Uh, it might have been me. It might have been me. Uh, but I, mm, I oh. would say he was a. What was it? Would he have been better? Come opinion? on, Michael Carter no, no, Williams. No, 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 wait a second. Let's. Yeah, exactly. Michael Carter Williams. There we go. <laughs> Michael Carter Williams. And then for the season he had, would you put? Uh, yeah, no. Then I'd put him. Uh, then I'd probably put uh, Victor Oladipo. Yeah, possibly. But that's. Again, yeah, it's definitely Michael Carl Williams. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I'd have said it about Brogdon with NCW in the frame. <laughs> um, let's let's say he comes back then and averages twenty-two, fifteen, and and two blocks, one point five blocks for the next forty games. Although he's going to be on a minutes restriction to start, but we'll let him build up into it. Can you not see a situation where Jar Morant? as great as he is and as consistent as he is if they slide for any reason out of the playoffs and let's face it they shouldn't be in the playoffs this year there was no no. expectations for them so if they start sliding back down you still don't think there's a chance I just think I just think what what Morant has done he's he's brought forward their timeline 
You know, the the Memphis Grizzlies, they were... Remember, they, they lost uh, uh, Mike Conley last... Uh, in, in the off-season, right? They... They had the uh, that poor guy who was the last guy standing from the grit and grind era, right? They they had this this amazing stretch, and then all of a sudden they started getting rid of Tony Allen, Zebo, uh, you know, to injuries, retirement, and then and then of course you know they sent off Mark Gasol and said uh, let him ride off into the sunset to win a championship, while poor Mike Conley was was sat there. You know, still, still wearing that that blue and yellow grit and grind T-shirt from two thousand and twelve or whatever it was, and and there was they they were gonna hit rock bottom. You know, they were supposed to. That was supposed to be the end. It was supposed to be the rebuilding. It was supposed to be what the Charlotte Hornets are. But the only reason. Now it's you know it's been some good shrewd decisions by the, by the front office you know they they got Brandon Clark uh, and they made a, a great decision even though he he wasn't the best player in that draft class getting uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. another mm. great decision and fantastic player yeah and he's and that trio now they're going to be they're going to be the future, but they, they've sort of accelerated all that. They've brought all that forward to the point where they are now, he's averaging nearly 18 points, seven assists and three and a half rebounds. And he's shooting 48% from the floor. That's, that's pretty solid. Um, and he's doing it all in 29 minutes. I, I don't, that, that's, that's not very high minutes for someone who was like a top three player in his draft class. And is on a, a supposedly terrible team and he's managing to to turn to turn the franchise on its head they were going nowhere and now they have the brightest future of maybe any team in the nba right now i think yeah i, I, I don't i don't see how i don't see how how zion can because also how <laughs> going back to that year that you that you mentioned the thirty one games? I'm sorry, it was, he was never going to win it with thirty one games. But correct me if I'm wrong. wasn't wasn't Embiid you know playing a game then missing two games and then and then yeah, playing yeah, a, yeah. you know well, he, he he missed the previous two seasons completely. Yeah, but that season he he was present throughout the year. It, it, with Zion, there, oh, there was prolonged periods of injury, but but you know, I, I get what you're saying. You know, they, they they did have to limit his. I guess it was the the precursor to to load management. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying. Third, but but oh. whereas Zion, he he's just disappeared for for three months. You know, when he turned up on that on the JJ Reddick podcast a week or two ago, it was like, oh crap, yeah, Zion. I remember him. You know, guys in the league. <laughs> and I think if if that's the effect, if you if you're only coming in halfway through the year, I think the voters, the people who vote for this, you know, the the geniuses like Zach Lowe and Woj and Bill Simmons and uh, Kevin O'Connor, they're gonna they're gonna look at that and think, well, where was this guy? And he was nowhere, of course, because he was injured. And I feel bad for him, but I, he's not going to win Rookie of the Year. And quite frankly, I don't think that should be his goal anymore. I think his goal needs to be play healthily for the rest of the season and figure out what's going on with the roster for the next few years. Yeah, I mean, 
I'm, I'm with you to the extent that it's going to take a miracle, and not a small miracle, like a, a full-blown... <laughs> Maybe John Morant gets injured. Miracle. Maybe John Morant gets injured. For... Uh, why have you said that? Oh, I know, That's that was really mean, wasn't it? Over. That was a horrible thing to say. <laughs> but maybe he misses the rest of the season for some reason. Then he stands a chance. Fair. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I agree. The, the body of work that John Morant, um, he might be, outside of Luca, the player I've watched most this season. I. I just love watching him play he's just the reckless abandon the ability to involve everyone on his team he's like um he's just like everything you, you everything you want your point guard to be i i am a little involved. bit on on the side of of mo though shouts to mo who um has been sort of following and he's sort of setting up a bit of a thread of all the the really dangerous landing Angles that he goes, it, it's it's like yeah yeah it, when he goes up for a dunk, it's like sort of early Derek Rose, and he sort of yeah, thought but... every time Derek Rose lands, he was gonna injure himself, that sort of thing. Yeah, but it didn't happen. It, oh God, you're gonna make me jinx everything, and we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna destroy. <laughs> yeah, no, let's, let's let's not let's not try and predict when he's gonna get injured uh, uh, yeah. and how. Let's swiftly move. Okay, let's move away from this topic right now. Uh, let's go to Boston. Jason Tatum, 41 points uh, against the Pelicans. New career high, beat his career high of 39. How good can this guy be? Um, in our Google Doc, you threw a few audacious statements um, or questions out afterwards and I, I I read that and I went oh okay let, let's let's pick this one up then let's see what Hugh's got to so, yeah, say the, on this the reason I was keen to talk about this is because um, I the, all this season I've been doing the top 5 MVP race for Double Clutch and each and the first ever top 5 MVP race his his first few games right his first 8 games he was scoring 21 points Seven and a half rebounds, and he led the league in plus minus. And until sort of the, the start of December, essentially, it was it was incredible what he was doing. And a couple of people said he's not even the MVP on his own team. How can you have him on this list? But <laughs> but honestly, when what watching the the Boston Celtics, I felt that the, the reason they were playing so well early in the season. Was because he was he was this this glue guy. And I know what you're saying. Glue guys don't they they're not MVP candidates. Glue guys are you know people like um, sort of Shane Battier and things like that. You know they they're sort of seventh eighth men that sort of come in and are able to hold everything together while the team gets back on track. But and and that's sort of what he was doing. But at the same time, he was doing. He was doing a lot of the scoring and he was doing a lot of the playmaking. And I honestly couldn't see anyone better on that team uh, in the first sort of six to eight weeks of the season. After that, he sort of went off the boil a bit and Jalen Brown sort of uh, became the, the the face of the Celtics. And, you know, across... During all this time, you've also had... Uh, you've also had Kemba. Kemba's been the sort of continuity face and the the reason why they've kept it together all year long especially when uh oh, 
my god, why do I keep on... Honestly, there's like three pods in a row where I, where I forget the white guy's name. What's his name? <laughs> Which one? The, the Boston Celtics player, former Utah Jazz guy. Why does he keep on slipping my mind? What, Ennis Cantor? No, he's not. He played for the Jazz. <laughs> Trump supporter. The what? The what? what? The Trump supporter. Trump supporter. Who's Trump I'm supporter? I'm the Boston Celtics... Oh god, why am I I'm losing it now? Right, do you know what we'll do? We're gonna, we're gonna to, to help to help you out. Let's look let's look at the roster. Oh Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward, oh, yeah. I'm not even looked at him. I forgot that as well. I was like white white guy and I was like, let's think of the white. But I'm mad that you say Utah Jazz and I immediately go back to Ennis Cantor. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. Anyway. He's bounced around three teams since then. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm uh, sorry, Gordon Hayward. Your name just did not stick in my head. Honestly, it's like three pods in a row now where I've forgotten his name. I've, anyway. I forgot he was a Trump supporter. Uh, yeah, so he um, <laughs> so he was playing well at one point, and then he uh, you know had a bit of an injury, and then he struggled for a little bit, and now he's getting a bit back on track. But honestly, right at the start of the year, I thought Jason Tatum was probably the best player on the Celtics. It didn't last, and it hasn't lasted the entire year. But my, I'm wondering whether he could actually be an MVP candidate in the future. What What do you think? I think he could be a candidate in the future. I don't think he's there yet. Um, I don't know whether that's because of his overall ceiling and skill set, because he is a, a, a quality player. And I, I wonder whether he, just because the way Boston play, I wonder whether he's being used to his full potential. You know, that's why we've got these questions about who's is who's better, him or Jalen Brown, because they are both. Yeah. They're they're interchangeable. So many times they can play both sides of the floor. They can explode on offense. They are they're a great problem to have for Boston. But I actually think in the future they might struggle to keep them together. But saying that, I, I could he be an MVP? I think he could if a few things go his way. Multi-time All Star, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But not based on the fact he scored forty-one points against the Pelicans. No, but it was it was more that um, after that he was saying, you know, he one of the quotes were the you know the people he looks up to they do that you know more nights than they don't. So mm. I know I've got I've got a long way to go, but I know that I can get there. That that's the sort of I'm paraphrasing, but that was roughly what he said. And it got me thinking, well, actually, yeah, you were there right at the start of the season. So so what's happened and what does he need to do to keep to stay on that level? Um, because as Kemba Walker said, after he scored 40, after um, Tatum scored 41, he said, it's really hard to score 41 in this league. You know, it's hard to score more than 40. Um but James Harden and you're averaging what? I mean, God, what that, what that guy is doing is incredible. <laughs> But yeah, I just thought it's worth flagging up just to say that we've had this conversation that in three years when he is an MVP candidate, we can say just like, yeah, yeah, just like when we were talking about how the Wizards is going to be champions in the next four to ten years. <laughs> You're going to bookmark this pod. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, Tatum, yeah, great, great player. Uh, uh, definitely outdueled uh, Brandon Ingram in that one, who's also having, a, as we said before, an incredible season. Um, let, let's stay in Eastern Conference. Philadelphia slipping. Now fifth in the East. 
Are you ready to panic on the uh, the Philadelphia 76ers since they flexed on Milwaukee on Christmas Day? They're two and six over the last eight games, and they've lost six straight on the road. It's concerning, isn't it? There's been a lot of chatter on uh, on social media that you know it might be, and on podcasts and things like that, it might be that these two guys they they don't work together. Um, so on Double Clutch Twitter at Double Clutch UK, we we ran a bit of a poll uh, earlier today, thinking if this season goes wrong and you have to trade either Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, who would you who would you want to build around? Who would you want to keep on the Philadelphia 76ers? And sixty five percent of people said that they would keep Embiid, which I was a little bit surprised at. I thought it would be a bit closer than that. And the reason why is because they they, they clearly are not a perfect fit together um, for various reasons. But I think if you got rid of Embiid and turned the team over to Simmons and essentially built the team for him, it would look a lot different. But I think it would look a bit more like like a sort of Steve Nash, Phoenix Suns, seven seconds or less, where you basically run the ball up the floor. I mean, you know, Ben Simmons is uh, not the three-point shooter that uh, Steve Nash was. I mean, this season he's not the three-point shooter that Dwight Howard is. But um, I think there's, <laughs> there's, uh, there's a lot to be said for... Get, essentially getting rid of the the biggest piece of furniture on the court and it, just turning it over to the the quickest most athletic and sort of best vision player on the team and just running running him with four shooters and four people who can run the floor and just say okay just just find these guys and let them hoist up some threes i think i think it could be I don't know if it could be a better uh, product than it would be if you built around Embiid instead, but I think it's an interesting conversation to have. Um, because... Just to clarify, then, the 65% who voted for um, Embiid, you're not in that camp. You're in the 35% That's not. That's not what I said. Okay, I so, was simply, so I was simply laying out... I think my vote would be don't trade either of them. <laughs> oh, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> because um, I think they've... I voted in the poll. Yeah, who did you vote for? Keep Simmons. Yeah. I I just think 65% to keep Embiid. That's a big... It, I was surprised it, it, I was surprised at the difference, you know? Yeah. I can't believe you just sat on the fence for that. (laughs) (laughs) See, for for me, like they both have their limitations. Um, We saw how Simmons can disappear uh, in a game against, you know, last night against Indiana. Um, But he's there more in terms of health, long-term health. I worry, and I get that this this finger thing is not Embiid's fault, which, by the way, is is one of the the most interesting angles I've seen a finger point at. Um, yeah, that was what a great injury. Um, 
I think it was the No Dunks pod. Someone referred to it as looking like he was holding a cigar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, for Embiid, he's, he has struggled with health. Yeah. Throughout his career. Yeah. That worries me. It worries me on a on a guy of that sort of frame that he's had back issues and things like that. It worries me that he can be an MVP but only if he wants to be and only on his terms and only if he can be bothered. Yeah. And you know, we saw we saw him like I said, Christmas Day against Milwaukee. Fantastic. But he isn't able to whatever it is that these 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 MVPs have in them you know not even just let's go beyond MVP you talk about people like Kobe and Jordan that have this sort of cutthroat killer instinct that's that's beyond everyone else in the league I don't want him to have that I just want him to have sort of half of that I want to give a shit yeah exactly that's it and that's that's I just don't think he does to that degree He's, which is it's, you know he said all the right things in the off season he cried at the you know, and I'm not disrespecting him for crying that to me that matters that's a good thing was. yeah yeah exactly he suggested he was you know did give a shit but here we go again and it's just you know I think he, that when he when he's played best so far this year he got called out by the NBA on TNT guys you know, and he came back and then he had a stretch of games where he was incredible. And like he said, on Christmas Day when the whole world was watching, um, it was against Milwaukee, was it? But yeah, um, you know, he he was amazing. And then he came came off the back of that and he said, people forgot who I was and what I could do. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you're damn right we forgot. You know, because there, there are long stretches where you don't do anything like that. But that being said, I think... I haven't done I haven't worked this out I'm just sort of going on my head but he's probably like top 10 top 12 player in the league and I think Ben Simmons is probably top 25 you know so I think I'd rather I think I would rather Joel Embiid but but in terms of the guy who gives a damn every single night it's got to be Ben Simmons he really cares and it, yeah, he he doesn't care enough to to jack up a three point shot, but he care, he cares enough to you know he's he's actually a, a pretty damn good defender, um not not the best in the league, but he's certainly a, a positive on that end, um and uh, I think the angles that he sees the and he's actually very good playing the screener on the pick and roll, um he's done that quite a few times now with um well, with a couple of players on the team as ball handlers, including Josh Richardson, that that is a, a good offense for them when Joel Embiid is out. But at the same time, what, what was the record they said? You said, was it two and eight or two and six they've gone since yeah, yeah. since Embiid has been out? So they clearly well, need since, Embiid. Since, since Christmas Day. Oh, since so Christmas Day. Been out. Yeah, Embiid's only been out a couple of games two, now. Two or three games, right. But they, they clearly need Embiid to be the best player on on the court. But at the moment, I think the team is built for Embiid, but with the wrong personnel, if you know what I mean. I think if it's going to be difficult for them to stay together uh, long term. But I can't see... Is, is it coaching? Is that the issue? I think, I think it's... Partly coaching. If he's, you know, Brett Brown's not able to get into the guys' heads that they need to start 
shooting from distance, then that's an issue for me in this league. Like last night, I was surprised. They so they they went six for thirty three, which is I was surprised they took thirty three threes last night. So eighteen percent, that's horrific. Indiana ten for twenty six, so thirty six point five. Effectively, that that's that's the difference in the game. Yeah, more than easily more than. Um, and if you look at how the Sixers play, they are they are a throwback team. Um, you know they're built around a big guy, and you know if we if we had to pick one or the other um, to build a franchise around, what was the last uh, championship winning team that had a big man as their core player? I think that's an outdated idea ideology that you need to build around a big guy. Um, to me, in this day and age, uh, I'm, I'm a, <laughs> I, I am a Kurt Goldsbury uh, follower uh, disciple. Um, Sprawl ball. That, yeah, they are, they are. They've become limited in their roles. They are not uh, the dominant forces they once were. But if you look at this team, they rank 23rd in shots at the rim and 24th in threes. That is the anti what the league is doing now. Josh shared the uh, the Goldsbury map yeah. in uh, the Slack earlier, and it showed you you know the the 200 most regular frequent shots in the league at the minute and every single one of them is either uh, right around the arc uh, at the three point line or in the paint at the rim I didn't and, I didn't check it but I wonder what it would be like putting the Philadelphia shot chart on cho- on top of either one of those and seeing which one it looks like most that would be interesting it really would I mean they are still a great team like, yeah, if, yeah. We went, if we put them back in the 90s they'd be awesome because they're, they're fifth in mid range <laughs> <They're, laughs> yeah. so it's just it's a weird one like you mentioned that they'd look like the Steve Nash if they sort of built around um, Simmons I think they'd kind of look like a blend of that with with this Milwaukee you know Yanis led bucks where we've got you know effectively the biggest guy on the floor is an amazing ball handler uh, is athletic is the fastest guy on the floor and in fairness to him there are a few things in this league to me as beautiful as Ben Simmons on a fast break the way he soars, you know, it's like magic. It's like it's like watching yeah. Magic Johnson and Showtime Lakers. It really is. Yeah, two, two hands above his head. It, I, the way he arches his back as he takes off, it it looks like to me like you know like those manga animations where they suddenly like they're paused <laughs> in the air, yeah. and then it has like all these conversations going on whilst they're in the air, and they sort of you can see the lines flashing by him, and it's that's that's what it looks like to me. And, and this guy's an incredible finisher. Some of his moves against India last night were just amazing you know spinning uh taking contact in the lane and still just finger rolling with finesse it's one of my favorite things to see um but you, I, I think i think there's a combination of personnel here we knew they were going to lose three-point shooting when reddick went um but that's that's a huge drop off you know jimmy butler obviously as well josh richardson He's playing well. Is take, yeah, well, he's just got Player of the Week, which, yeah. which to me is something I don't understand as well. I get, you know, the, the Sixers are two and one over the last week, and Josh Richardson is named Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Well, I mean, Carmelo Anthony has also won that award this year. I don't, yeah, I don't and, yeah, put a lot no, of stake into it. <laughs> that, yeah, that's that's a complete travesty. That is, and I can, but I can kind of see why Josh Richardson would get it. But it's interesting that if you start talking about the Seventy Sixers. There are two names that you talk about, yeah, and then maybe you'll talk about a third person, and more to, more often than not, it's probably going to be the contributions of Al Horford. And yet here we have, uh, you know, and then probably Tobias Harris, and here we have Josh Richardson as a Player of the Week. They have got an abundance of talent. Yeah, there's they just really something's do. not clicking. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. 
to to see where they where they end up this year and because I think honestly like part of me thinks once Embiid starts approaching the playoffs I think he's going to kick it up a gear and I reckon he could be I don't know we'll see we'll see what happens yeah, they, they, I, I predicted them to get to the finals at the start of the, the season. Yeah, I did. I'm pretty sure you did as well. Yeah, we were on the same pod. Um, so they've obviously got enough there to get people going, you know, salivating at this team's potential. They're just not reaching it. No. Um, let's quickly hit the Jazz uh, before we before we go really, really long. Um, the Jazz, another late season push after christmas they seem to it seems to do this every year it's like oh yeah get christmas out of the way everyone's putting on a couple of pounds <laughs> now let's hit them yeah um conspiracy corner i'll put my hat on um could this be seeing as that's happening at more often than not in the past few years could this be a masterful stroke by uh the front office essentially to take it easy for the first 30 games and preemptively load manage the team and then just to tighten the screws up when everyone else wears down. That's, that's a, yeah, that's a very interesting theory. Um, I think, that, yeah, there, there, there might be something to that. Um, <laughs> it's ridiculous if it is. That's next, it's, that's no, next it, it, it is. But like whether or not it's planned or not, I don't know. Mm. But I think there's there's something to be said for playing yourself into shape. Players do it all the time. Players have done it. To, you know, in the history of the NBA where they start off seasons slowly and get better and better. I mean, God, um, Nikola Jokic is certainly one for that. But you, even, even in college, Donovan Mitchell, he didn't start off his year very well in college. And then by the end of the year, I think he was making good push into like March Madness and things like that uh, when he was in Louisville. And that sort of carried over into his career a little bit. Um, but but also, I think they have struggled with different injuries and things like that. They've also had a bunch of new people that they've incorporated into their system. So I do understand yeah. that why it was a little slow to, to build. And I think they're still figuring that out a little bit. Um, that being said, I want to run through a couple of the teams that they've been on this amazing win streak. I want to run through... <laughs> run through all of them, please do. This is the I'm... next point I was going to make. I'm not going to run through all of them because I think it'd be a bit mean. Because they have had a couple of wins. I think they, um, it, you know, they, they've, they have played uh, the likes of the Miami Heat and the Lakers and the Sixers during that run. But they've played Orlando Magic twice. Charlotte Hornets twice, the Detroit Pistons, the Chicago Bulls, New Orleans Pelicans, and the Golden State Warriors in this stretch. Um, they have beaten the LA Clippers, uh, you know, but losses to the likes of the LA Lakers, the Miami Heat, Oklahoma City, I think that's... I think those losses are a more accurate reflection of where the Jazz stand in terms of in, in terms of their, their hierarchy in the league. Yes, they are... Is it joint third at the moment that I think they are in the Western Conference? Mm-hmm. I I think, yeah, they they're with that pack we were talking about earlier. They joint second, joint second. Sorry. Yeah, so they then they're not as as good as the Lakers. I think uh, also the Clippers are going to get better, even though I, I'm quite surprised at how long they're taking to get get themselves together. The Nuggets are obviously playing well. Um, the Spurs are definitely going to make the playoffs. Oklahoma City Thunder have, have surprised everybody. I think you know. I I, I, mm, I thought so. I thought they were going to play well, but I didn't think they were going to play this well. Um, and I think they. I think yeah, the Jazz are probably in the middle of that mid tier 
that we've been talking about. I I don't see them. I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe they can keep going. Maybe <laughs> oh, I'm not convinced of myself now. Maybe they can keep going and make it to the Western Conference Finals. I just uh, I just don't I, don't see them getting much further than that this season. I I don't. Uh, I'm I'm expecting some sort of regression here because of the last nine they've won straight. Only one was a plus five hundred team. Yeah. So I, I'm expecting some regression. Uh, that said, uh, the Conley injury has has seen jingles resurgence. Yeah. Um do you reckon COVID. do you reckon when Conley comes back he should start or should he come off the bench? I I would bring him off the bench. I mean I, I, I've, as much as I've just said only one of those games was a plus 500 team that that would have even even if it's you know it's, it's still this is NBA talent they're playing against it's still that's a nine game win streak that's going to have built some confidence and some uh, essentially um, some sort of uh, kind of think of the word now but they're they're in a rhythm they're in a flow I would I would ease him back in gently there's no doubt that he can offer the team more than he has done so far it might be that he's he's great as a backup for Donovan. Well, that's but. what I'm thinking. Is that like they they are roughly the same size and height and build. They um I I, I don't think Donovan is a pure point guard. He, I don't think he ever will be. No. But no. and and I and I think Mike Conley is a pure point guard. But I think I think uh, Mitchell needs the ball in his hands to be the playmaker and be the creator and and the scorer. You know that's where he excels. And uh, you know, I think he's better alongside the the likes of Ingles or or Boyan Bogdanovic, where you've got a slightly bigger ball handler who can see over the top of offenses. And um, I mean, Bogdanovic doesn't really pass or get many assists, but he's uh, you know he 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 still can be um, a useful wingman for someone uh, someone of of a, of a smaller build. Now, if you brought if you brought Connolly off the bench, I think he could. I whether or not maybe I'm doing him a disservice as saying he's not no longer starter material, but I think I because I, I, I don't think he's he's bench material. I think he's way above that. But I think that's why that's where they would get the most use out of him is when he's going up against yeah. those second units. Clearly, he clearly, second units apart. Yeah, clearly the starting five is okay against other starting fives in the NBA. But maybe that bench needs firming up, and maybe Conley is the guy to do that. Mm-hmm. The thing is, he's the consummate professional as well. So if they approach him with that, you can expect him to buy into it. He might not be happy with the idea of it, but you can. I don't think he's going to complain, though, is he? He's going to get on with no. it. Yeah, no, exactly. Okay, so uh, yes or no? Are the Jazz for real on this win streak? No, sorry, no, sorry, Utah fans. No. Say so, well. <laughs> Yeah, same. I, I agree. Uh, let's do games of the week, and then we'll quickly hit the WNBA for a, a split second. Sounds good. Um, what's your choice for game of the week? So, you may be surprised. Um, I'm going for a San Antonio Spurs game. Um, the... You've got to stop with these Homer picks. <laughs> but I, I must say, like, actually, it probably is one of the better games of the week because um, the, the Spurs play the Heat. I think it's on Wednesday or Thursday. Now that's in Miami, but then on Sunday we get to see them in the UK on prime time at eight o'clock, eight eight o'clock in the evening. Um, but they're going to be back in 
in Texas. So that's going to be a really interesting matchup because they're, they're essentially playing... They, they only play each other twice this season. And it'll be interesting to see who comes away. We could see... We could see the heat coming away from that with like two wins intact. But equally, I think we could see a sort of you know the both home teams winning on both on on the home court. Um, but if the Spurs could get an upset, that could be the thing that sort of pushes them into you know back into the playoff uh, run because not many teams are beating that Miami Heat this year. So. Um, yeah, I think it. I think that matchup could be interesting this week. It could determine quite a few things. Could determine how high the Miami Heat uh, get in the Eastern Conference and if they can stay in that top two or three uh, uh, tier. Because um, I think everybody's a bit surprised at them this year. Um, I was. I wasn't expecting so. the Heat to to do as well as they have, but they've been incredible. I think it's. I think it's going to be a good matchup. I'm excited to see them. So that's that's 8 p.m. on Sky Sports Arena, I think, isn't it? Yeah, um, it certainly is. And that that matchup between Player of the Week, Demar Derozan, and Jimmy Butler is one to look out for. Yeah. Uh, and even seeing how they try and deal with Marcus Aldridge, are they going to send Myers Leonard out for length on those long that that long behind the head release, or are they going to send someone athletic like Bam? Um, yeah, no, no, I'll I'll be tuning into that. Uh, I was tempted to go Clippers at Pelicans on a, on Sky on a Saturday. Yeah, uh, could be you, good. You've given me so much Zion slander, I'm not going to. No. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go Lakers at Rockets at 1.30am Saturday. I think that's going to be an yeah. interesting one for, for two teams right at the top of the, the Western Conference. You've got the, the first and the fourth seed, I believe. Um, cool. Uh, let's do WNBA then quickly, because... Um, some big news today. They've 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 tentatively agreed a new CBA, a collective bargaining agreement, which I believe will run seven years if it goes through. So the end of the twenty twenty seven season would be the, the logical one. Um, it's big news because there's a lot of things that have come through that are, uh, uh, you know, dramatically improved. Uh, salaries have, uh, have, have essentially the amount a player can earn has tripled, which is massive. Um, basic things which which really should have been flagged a long time ago. Like this is this is sort of 40 years behind the NBA. Is that when they travel now they're going to get premium? I love I laugh, but this is serious. Like premium economy economy class status for all players for regular season air travel they're going to get individual hotel accommodations uh, for every player um, there's some really crazy sort of things that I say crazy in the sense that I can't believe in this day and age were still things in the um, most high profile women's basketball league in the world um, there's some really Sort of incredible things they've added as well to do with motherhood and family planning um, it, it, within the within the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, your thoughts on it, please, as our as our resident WNBA expert. So yeah, the the motherhood thing is is incredible because now for the first time in the in the WNBA's twenty four years, so we're going into the twenty fourth season now. For the first time, they've probably got better parental leave than the NBA players had. Which um, which is just astonishing, really. But like you said, you you covered off a couple of the main uh, the main headlines around this. Is that um, most players, certainly the top players, they're going to be earning more than a quarter of a million. Some of them can earn, um, which is 
I mean, the, I think the top the, the top salary for um, some of the better players was like one hundred and seventeen thousand uh, dollars, which is just minuscule. You know, there there are players in the uh, there are players in the in the NBA the in more than the entire WNBA. You know, just just one play, which I I do hate to to sort of make that reference because I I don't want to I don't want the NBA to be compared to the WNBA. Well, one is not as profitable as the other, and for various reasons. So actually, you should be paid sort of what you deserve. But the the coolest thing about this is that previously it was roughly estimated that WNBA players get roughly 22 23% of um of basically the money that was made you know so the turnover only 23% of that went to WNBA player salaries but now they're making moves i don't know the full details yet we've only seen the release earlier today but they're making moves so that will hopefully after the 2021 season um that'll hopefully be 50% which is in line with what the NBA is. So, yeah, they're not going to earn as much as the NBA players, and they shouldn't do because there's not not that much money in the league. But they have the potential to earn the same percentage of the income, which is the the most key thing of all. Um, There are a couple of fantastic sort of Q&As that I've been reading uh, ahead ahead of this this pod. Um, But like I said, we only saw the, the news come through earlier today. So, what I'll do is um, share a couple of the key ones um, from people like uh, Michelle Vopel uh, over at ESPN. And um, there was one, a good one on High Post Hoops as well uh, that sort of break down what some of these things mean. But the the more most immediate thing that it does mean is that um, in the next two or three weeks, free WNBA free agency can start and people will know what they what contracts they can go for now and it means that we'll be getting a season uh in the next few months which uh it was never truly in danger but things could have gone south during the CBA negotiations but now that we've got a CBA uh for the next uh, yeah seven eight seasons uh, this is great news for the WNBA, and hopefully it can continue to to grow in that vein in the same way that women's sports are growing uh, in, in recent years. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the, the 50-50 revenue share is a huge thing for them, and it was um, something that made a few headlines when it was raised last year or last summer. Uh, and there was talk, you know, you, you got people saying, no, they shouldn't ask for the same as, as NBA players. And there's, no, 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 wait a sec. They're not asking for an NBA salary. They're asking for the split yeah. of revenue to yeah. be the same as the NBA. And it's two totally different things. Um, and they should be entitled to a similar similar split. Um and, and I said it during the season. Go support the WNBA. It's it's great. And you, if you get WNBA League Pass, it's like twenty quid for the whole season in <laughs> yeah. the playoffs. It's dirt cheap. That's that's like cheaper than one month of of <laughs> NBA League Pass. It's just it's just insane. But uh, it's awesome news. Very much looking forward to it. Uh, and, and we've got, in fact before then there's the, we've got GB qualifying tournament next month for the Olympics. Yeah, so for the women's team. Of, uh, yeah, lots of good women's basketball. On. 
yeah yeah awesome you got anything else you want to add before we close up shop uh no i think i think that's good it's been, it's been fun getting back on the pod with you it's been it feels like it's been a while it's been a while it's been it's, you know Ooh, last year one thing oh yeah it really was last year one thing that we should uh we should shout out to is um josh coin is back with his movies podcast mm. in the next uh hopefully in the next week or so um, it might even be the next podcast to come in your feed, but it might be the one after that. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye on everything because um, he's previously done Space Jam. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, go back in our feed a little bit. And um, he breaks down Space Jam with uh, some of the some of the guys who actually worked on the, on the film, uh, worked alongside Michael Jordan and uh, sort of developed some of the the basketball scenes and that sort of thing. Uh, and he's, he's doing that all again with, uh, our very own Nick Whitfield. Um, and, uh, should we, I mean, we, we've, everybody's going to know what it is if they've seen our Twitter timeline, but they're, they're going to be working on, uh, white men can't jump, which is, I was going to say, if you wanted to be cryptic, you could have said, uh, you can listen to it, but you might not hear it. <laughs> hey, hey, you, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> You, you you can't hear it. You can't hear Jimmy. We can't hear Jimmy. You know, we can listen to Jimmy. <laughs> On that note, uh, if you are not already subscribed, I'm going to go listen subscribe. to some Jimmy now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and rate and review us. Uh, if you're not following us, please make sure you do at Double Clutch UK. Uh, send us in your thoughts, your questions. Hit us up with any anything you want, really, uh, either on social media or admin at doubleclutch.uk. Thank you very much for listening. We will be back with you very, very soon. Peace.